Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Like they said, this is Don't Box Me In, and I am your host, Lana Reed. Today, it's all about self-esteem and understanding your personal value, especially when it comes to the youth of today. And since I always like to give a little background, here are a few facts. According to the Self-Esteem Institute, over 70% of girls ages 15 to 17 years old avoid normal daily activities, such as attending school, when they feel bad about their looks. Also, uh, 75% of girls with low self-esteem reported engaging in negative activities like bullying, smoking, drinking, disordered eating, and cutting. And for those who don't know, cutting is when you take a sharp object like scissors and cut your arm or your wrist. And uh, lastly, about 20% of teens will experience depression before they reach adulthood. My guest today is doing his part to change all of that. He works with our youth to help them feel better about themselves and find their way in this complicated world. Ricky Roberts III is the author of four books, columnist for Transformation Magazine, youth advocate and visionary, and is doing more than his part to show the youth of today that they are worthy, that they have value. I am so excited to be able to spend time and space with him today and learn about everything that he's got going on. And with that, let me welcome Ricky Roberts the third to Don't Box Me In today. Welcome, welcome, Ricky. Thank you, Lana. Thank you so much for having me. You know, touching on my heart right away with the um, statistics you gave on, on the uh, esteem issues that young people face in our society today. So thank you so much for sharing, and um, thanks for having me on. It's my privilege. Oh, no problem. No problem. Like I said, I, I, I tell everybody, I just always appreciate uh, anybody who uh, makes time for me. Now, um, Ricky Roberts, the third, uh, that sounds like you should be uh, playing in the NFL or something. I'm, I'm assuming your name, <laughs> your name is the topic of uh, plenty of conversation. Yeah. You know, I was on, I was on the, um, the air earlier this week and I, on an interview and, and the, 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 uh, host, Said uh, it, it was a news station. And he right, right. The first thing he says, Ricky Robinson third. It sounds like you should be a NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, you know, it does. It does sound very sporty. And I mean, and to your credit, you are, uh, you know, me being a California girl. I guess you, you are a skater, though, right? You, you do the skateboard uh, thing and everything. Yeah. So, um, right now, you are currently uh, skating and surfing in Florida. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Did you did you grow up there? You born and raised in Florida? I am. I'm born and raised in, in St. Petersburg, Florida, and just kind of been one of those things where I've had friends move away and, and go to different parts of the the world, and I just haven't had that calling to to leave yet. And it's um, you know, at this point, it's just it's such an honor and privilege to watch the the community grow and in the way that it has, and just to be a part of having the the best impact that I can. In St. Peter's. Now, I remember um, as a young girl, my dad was in the Air Force, so we were in um, Tampa, Florida. We were stationed. What What was growing up in St. Petersburg, Florida like? Um, you know, 
actually, it, it, growing up in, in St. Pete was much different than it is now. You know, the, the area wasn't built up at all. There was, there was just a lot of, uh, you know, closed down businesses and buildings. So it, it was, it was quite interesting growing up here in, in St. Pete, um, in different, different parts of the community. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, since you are Ricky Roberts the third, I'm, I'm assuming there's there's one and two. Uh, but do you have brothers and sisters as well, or is it just you? I I do. I have um, five brothers and sisters. One one actually a sister passed away, but um, yeah, in in total there were six of us. Wow. So you fit in the. I'm, I'm assuming you're the first one. I'm. I am the the second oldest. Oh, the second oldest. So was the first one a girl? No, the the first one was was a, a there were four boys and, and two girls, and uh, the uh, the bro- the oldest was a, a older brother. Oh, so how did you get crowned with the Ricky Roberts the third? Oh, well, <laughs> he was from a he was from a different father. Okay. In um, that whole situation, and my father met my my mother when she was pregnant and. Ended up adopting that brother. Oh, so, okay, okay. Father, so I was the first on my my dad's side, and and really, um, you know, the third was was a way for me to when I started using it, and sometime in my twenties where I, I saw that it uh, saw it as a way for me to kind of self identify, kind of like don't box me in. There was uh-huh. this box to to sort of be in that same association as as those two and, and um, you know I I I was and and very passionate about breaking the cycle that I was in and, and witnessed as as a young person in the direction of of where my my parents were going and uh, it was that that was just my way to kind of create my own identity so the the third part of it was the um, the only way that I was able to separate from just being Ricky Roberts. Gotcha, Another, gotcha. You know, following the same cycle. Gotcha. Now you're um, touching on an area now that I read on your website um, that your parents had an abusive relationship, and I think most kids, you know, we grow up experiencing our parents, you know, having disagreements from time to time. But um, can you explain to us a little bit about your parents' relationship? Yeah, uh, you know, it's. It, they were they were abusive all in our, all around to each other. Um, the there was a, there was a large amount of emotional and and I would say physical abuse from my mother to us, and then my father more to my mother. It was this, this strange cycle, and you know he was he was physically and verbally abusive to her, and, and as a young person witnessing that had a, a a big impact on on my life and how I saw the world. I understood what was and what what I felt of, of my perspective on on what what life was. It certainly distorted my vision of things in, in many ways. And uh, as a, as a young person witnessing that, it it, it had such a big impact on. The overall development and understanding of, of self that um, you know it certainly gave me a lot to work with. And, and yeah, yeah, I can imagine. 
So can you give me, I mean, I guess growing up in your adolescence, some personal issues that you you felt you struggled with because of your parents' relationship? You know, my, my thing was anger and, and violence. I, once I, uh, I always remember the first time I hit someone else, and, and once I, I felt that, uh, I guess it was almost like this sense of release in a way where there was like this, this breaking of isolation to hurt someone else is, is what I started to, to build and um, in some ways crave. It was a strange uh, craving for, for more violence. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, so how it impacted me, in in the best way to explain, is just turned me into someone that liked to fight and, and liked to fight often. Okay. And it to work out any positive or peaceful resolve with conflict. Okay. Okay. Now, most often um, we see in. In family structures where you know the parents have a little complex uh, relationship, it it kind of brings the siblings kind of closer together, you know, for emotional survival. Um, what what was the relationship with your your brothers and sisters due to your parents' relationship? I would I would say that that uh, certainly proved to be true in, in some regard for us. You know, we we stuck together in, in many ways. Um, they're, we were very close in age, so everyone sort of went off in their own direction to try to find their own safety. You know, I would go off and be with friends and friends' parents, and my, my other siblings would do the same, with the exception of, of my youngest sister, which I, I pretty much took her under my wing, if you will, and, and mm-hmm. raised her in the best way that I could, because she was 10 years apart. But everyone else was so close that... Um, they all felt like they needed to be the next parent in the house, you know, okay. without my, my father there. So um, we all kind of went in different directions. So we didn't huddle together, if you will. We, we, we were there for each other, but we're all kind of spinning in our own direction. Okay. And uh, now that we're, you know, in adulthood, do you see um, areas or how it, it touched your your brothers and sisters, because you said your issue was anger. It brought out the anger in you. But, you know, do you see any ways it touched your brother and sister's lives as well? Yeah, you know, and, and um, back to the anger thing, it also created a lot of isolation and a lot of self-worth issues and, and a variety of things in, in that regard, socially speaking. But um, with, with my siblings, as we evolved, you know, I've watched drug addiction become pretty prevalent. I have a sister that overdosed and, and passed away from an oxycodone over you know an overdose mm-hmm. there and I have a brother that's in prison for um, you know fraudulent checks because of a, a drug addiction you know to feed that addiction um, mm-hmm. so it, it has been interesting to watch the uh, projected statistics if you will play out in, in my life um, mm-hmm. and in my, my sibling life as well and in relation to how it impacts young people, how seeing and witnessing violence and experiencing violence in the home impacts young people um, throughout their life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, it's it's already growing up is already a chaotic time. Um, but when you don't have the solace of home life to kind of buffer some of that, it can kind of get really complex for the, the budding a- adolescents. So it's it's remarkable yeah. that remarkable that 
you know, all of you guys, uh, you know, kind of treaded through through the muck. Um, yes. But um, let me ask you this, though. Um, if they are your parents still with us today? They are. They are. Oh, and, and the relationship with everybody is is what now? Are we all happy or um, we've grown or? I, you know, Lana, it, it's, it's, it's sort of uh, gone up and down over the years uh, with, with both parents. Um, you know, my father came back around 12 years after the last time I saw him when I was a, a kid. And, you know, I started, has uh, made efforts to, to build and, and mend a relationship with him over the years. Uh, and, and also the, the same with my mother. But um, she's, she's continued to repeat some cycles of behavior that at some point I've had to create a, a bigger distance for myself to maintain my own, you know, well-being. Uh, because yeah. I do believe as adults and as people, we, at, at any point when we're able to choose the the people that we allow to impact our life, whether they're blood sure. relatives or not, you know, we, we have that privilege to do that because we do not have to be in any situation where people are hurting us or don't have the highest good of our lives in in their intent with how they interact with us. True. I mean, you really have to, you have to monitor your, your inner circle and, and what kind of energy that you keep close to you. I mean, because it does become you. I mean, that is, that is so true. I mean, and sometimes it happens to be family members that you have to push away, but for your own emotional, healthy survival, yes. you just, you have to do it. You have to do it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a hard thing to do, especially when it's a parent because any child, wants their parents there and actively a part of their life yeah yeah well ricky it's time for our first break so you hang in there with me and we'll be right back right after this commercial welcome back to don't box me in here's your host lana reed Welcome back. Welcome back. I am with uh, author and uh, youth advocate Ricky Roberts the third. And before the break, we were talking about his life growing up. And, uh, you know, at this point, I want to uh, mention a very traumatic experience, I guess, for most of us would say. Uh, reading your bio, uh, something uh, happened to you at the age of 17. Can you share with us that story? Yes. Um that was again the, the time where I was feeling angry and, and bitter and just sort of resentful towards the world. And um, I was out with a group of friends and in a place called Ebor City, that's just just north of of where I am in St. Petersburg, just over a bridge. And uh, you know we were hanging out with with a few people, and there were some some guys who approached us and that that approach turned into a fight and you know to make a, a long story short as the, the fight unraveled i got backed up against the wall and um as i was fighting my way through the group that was in front of me i i kind of felt someone pull my my neck back and I, you mm-hmm. know at that point something went into my back and my side and my chest basically i was being stabbed across my body and and um it ended up that i was stabbed nine times and you know the the biggest impact um, from from that event and, and the the 
experience in itself was when I was laying in the emergency room looking up at the doctors and nurses and they're, they're staring down at me. And at this point I hear someone in the, the distance trying to get a hold of, of my mother thinking that I, I wasn't going to make it through the night. They, they weren't mm-hmm. sure what the fate was. And there was this really um, large sense of urgency, you know, with, with the doctors and nurses. And I could feel how, how concerned they were because being covered in blood and, and not knowing where all the wounds were it was and, and losing so much blood was, um, you know, a, a pretty intense situation. And I'm laying there, too, so I nose, down my throat and my arm, the whole ER, what you would see a, a very traumatic ER experience as. And there was this chaplain that came in and kind of, like, shrugged, shrugged his way in between the doctors and nurses, and he put his hand on my head, and he said, everything's going to be okay, son. Mm. And there was just this moment of, complete peace and, and knowing that I was going to be okay and it was the first time that I experienced and truly understood that okay I'm not alone and there is a source greater than, than myself and whatever anyone wants to or how they want to refer to that that's that's uh, I believe their choice but you know I, I experienced that as and, and I refer as God and I, I felt mm-hmm. that present and I knew I was going to be okay and I went there for another six and a half hours while I was working on and felt this, this sense of peace and um, started that kind of started the transformation for me from um, the next week and a half in the hospital. I really started to reflect on my life and and see how I was letting all of this negativity and this hurt control who I was and it just gave me this um, sense of purpose to seek um, more out of my life and you know, several years after that, I just started asking, why am I still here? What can I do? How can I be used? What what do I need to do with my life? And how can I give back? And it just has transpired from there and um, kind of went into the first book and the second has has evolved with, with just this question of, of how can I give back? You know, how can I serve and, and what am I doing here? I mean, and I think that's so important, especially in today's world, because we tend to be very um, self-absorbed and all about me. And I think that's really what we're lacking as a culture to, you know, how can we be of service to others? You know, how can I help the person next to me? You know, it's not always it's not always about me. And I think um, we're, we're really struggling with that as a culture. So I really I really think that's a beautiful thing that that transformation that you made to learn that lesson and, and you know it was um and, and i went through the process of, of following the the richness of the world and and you know the certain successes of like you say the don't box me in the boxes of what i thought would make me happy and successful to have material goods and, and make money and all of these things and 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 they all serve the right place and i don't believe either that if you're living a life served to that you have to suffer in, in those mm-hmm. regards but just in general, that was the focus, and I realized that I, I was not happy. I was not fulfilled as I continued to go through that cycle. And you make this amount of money, and you want to make more, and then you make more, and then you want more, and then it just kept cycling of, of just all of these things. And at the point that I left that, and I was working on my my third book, uh, where did the gift go? It's kind of like, well, where as a culture, as a humanity, where is this gift, or that where is it gone? Where has the focus and the, the um, the need to to 
look at what our real, what our highest good and highest purpose is for each other, you know, for society and humanity as a whole, and um, how so much how we're led into these little boxes, if you will, or these programs mm-hmm. to be certain things. And um, as as that has unraveled for me, I having the opportunity to be of service and to experience the the things that I have through that um, devotion, you know, and, and just the the way that it humbles me on a daily basis to be inspired by the opportunity to um, impact someone else in a positive way uh, is just, you know, this sense of fulfillment and richness that um, there is nothing, nothing of this world that could compare to to that feeling um, good. in terms of material goods or possessions. Good deal. It is a very rewarding feeling. And... Um uh, I'd like to point out. Um, now, you said your your incident happened when you were 17, and at that point, you decided, you know, something's got to change. Now, did it change for you right away, or where you're at now, emotionally and mentally? Was it a gradual process? Did you you stumble and pick yourself up, or it, was it immediate? Yes. No, not immediate. Um, it was a. a, a, a process and, and it and it still is a process you know uh, I believe our lives are continuously evolving and um, you know I make mistakes every day um, I do my best to to be my best every day and continue to grow and evolve as, as a person individual um, but you know the the start was just it, it just started with this passion to, to see more and try to understand who I was and you know in terms of the violence and anger that, that took several years to start to pull away from um, what those behaviors were re- retrain myself re- um, associate myself with different ways to interact with people and what I saw as my, my sense of belonging and worth you know because it had been I'd been identified for so long as this person who reacted to conflict with violence that mm-hmm. built this sense of fear in other people. And um, would because of this idea that at once I got to a certain place in persona, I had to prove myself and continue to prove myself. Um, so gotcha. that was that was several years of, of letting go and, and redirecting my, my life. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it was... Maybe 23 uh, was was the last time that I was close to any physical confrontation where I was training for a boxing tournament and, you know, feeling really good and, and in tune and touch for the match and all of this stuff that was coming up. And I was out with, ironically enough, I was out in Ybor City uh, <laughs> with a friend and there was this guy that he started to, to get into a, a disagreement with. And I, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't drinking. They were drinking. I was training for a fight, and I thought I, I tried to split them up and was like, "Look, you guys are drinking. Just let it go. Blah blah blah. Move on." And so the guy just turned and he hit me, and I looked hmm. at him. I looked at my friend, and I just, in, in this moment, I was just like, all of this awareness came to me of if I do something right. First, I'm very confident in where I stand right now, my physical mm-hmm. ability to hurt this person. Um, so I know I have nothing to prove there. I have nothing to prove to my friend. The only reason I would do anything is because I feel like I have 
and approve. I don't feel in danger. I don't feel, and that was it. I turned, I walked away, and that was the last. My friend was like, I can't even believe I saw that. That was crazy. <laughs> wow, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen you do. And blah, blah. And that was the last time, the very last mm. time that I've even been close to a physical altercation. Mm. It was. And how long ago was that? Um, I'm 37 now. That was, I, I don't even, yeah, 14 years. Oh, oh okay. So okay, 37. Was, You're up there with me almost. Okay. Yes. So it, it was mm. just this um, realize, realization of, uh, you know, we don't have anything to prove to anyone, and, and that was, um, so that where I, that's where I feel like that part of the journey was sort of taken care of my anger and my, my natural mm-hmm. response to conflict. Um, it was was changed, you know. But everything else was an ongoing process, and I believe still is. You know, we we uh, we all have layers of stuff that come up through throughout our life, you know, and then continue to experience other things that give us the opportunity to look at other stuff even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are we are a constant stage of of personal development. You know, one of my my things I tell people all the time is, you know, I just wake up today just trying to be better than yesterday. That's my my only goal. I just focus on that. Just, Lana, what, just be better than yesterday and you're doing good. Let's just take it a piece at a time because, you know, it's it's a constant struggle. It's a constant battle. We're, we're never where we need to be. But as long as we realize that we have work to do, you know, um, you know, we can get there. You know, it, it's when we don't want to assess who we are and work on who we are that we run into complications and issues and you know cause chaos in this world yes okay ricky well we're going to take our second break of the day hang in there i'll be right back Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, we are here with Ricky Roberts III. He's a columnist for Transformation Magazine. And uh, Ricky, I want to get into um, some of the benefits that happen with your evolution. We were talking about, you know, growing up and and some of the issues that you struggled with. Uh, But the outcome, what came out of all of that and, and you learning to be a better Ricky, you started doing uh, workshops, uh, volunteer work, and youth outreach. Um, can you tell me how how all of that came about? Um, you know, it it uh, it, it it started uh, with with working as a as a youth advocate at a domestic violence shelter, and um, you know that was just reconnecting with my passion for youth that I I had earlier on. I, I did several years and and working with youth in, in my early 20s and, you know, late teens and early 20s. And then kind of over the, over the years would still volunteer and get involved with, with different programs. But I, uh, when I left the business world, I was just sort of kind of figuring it out. What am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. Working on the third book, trying to get, get more clear in overall direction, and you know, I was trying to do more talks about books, and and then I heard of this this position at a, a domestic violence agency, and and went and got that job, and started to help out there, and really get involved in building um, 
their their middle school program and being a part of their great effort. And um, I, I just sort of got this this feeling of ways that I could focus more on my holistic approach and, and focus to impacting the youth and and um, in a in a different way than that than that particular program facilitated for me that it was a great program. I just had some some different focuses that um, I felt passionate about. So I ended up starting my own organization, um, You Are Valued, and, and building that as the focus of, you know, a movement of valuing others and with the central belief that when people feel valued, uh, specifically young people, they're not more they're not only more likely to treat themselves better but treat others around them so i built these programs on uh, empowerment compassion and building community and setting goals and started to implement them in a variety of settings you know and then yeah. on the other side i started to do more adult workshops on kind of training trainer type stuff and um really in any way that i can uh express and communicate the importance of valuing others in, in uh, whatever platform that's, that's presented. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, uh, a few times you've mentioned your books, and I just want to um, talk about those. You've got four books out. The first one is called You. The second one is called What Really Matters. The third one is called Where Did the Gift Go? And the uh, fourth one is called Awakening the New You. And glancing over your books, it seems they have uh, like a few general messages such as, you know, getting your life together, setting goals, developing positive thoughts, figuring out what's what's really important in life. Um, how is it that you came about to sit down and write these books? Is there it's, something that um, pressed you? No, you know, it's the very first one started off as just a journal entry. You know, after the stabbing, I, I got note, a notebook and, and started to really write a, a lot. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I connected with the power and, and transformation of, um, or through journal therapy. And, and at the time, I didn't know that that's what it was that I was doing, but mm-hmm. I was, um, authentically called to working through my emotions and my PTSD from the event and all of this trauma through journal therapy and I just wrote and I continued to write and several years after that was when I just it, one journal entry turned into this page and this next page and this other page and it just started to come in, in these big bursts of sections and um, I would go back to a Barnes and Nobles near my house every day and just writing, writing. I didn't even know what I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just knew that it, I had to keep going back there and keep writing. And um, at some point, I I think a little bit more than halfway through it, the people at Barnes and Noble started to notice. What are you doing in here? Are you working on school paper? What are you doing? I said, I, I think I'm writing a book. I don't. <laughs> um, and that's that's when I finished, it just came to this place where I wrote a conclusion and I just closed my notebook. I remember and, and just, uh, I had that feeling. I just wrote, I just wrote my first book. And, um, from there it's been I, it's the same process. I journal and I, I spend time in, in writing and reflection. And there's times that those, those, uh, reflections turn into 
you know, a whole like specific mode of thought that, that um, I feel is a section of maybe a specific book that I'm working on. So I just fold it up and um, whenever I'm pulling a, a, a book together, I go back chronologically in, in my journals and, and kind of look through the sections that I folded up and try to keep them as authentic and, and close to them as I possibly can when I'm when I'm pulling it together and, and getting ready for, you know, doing the editing process and all that to turn it into a book. Um, so it's really just me looking at my life uh, with intent and purpose and uh, reflecting and then just kind of writing through the process of it all. Yes, gotcha. And, you know, I was looking on your website and I was taking a glance at the videos and it seems to be that is a common theme in your messages this journaling because that that's one of the constant clips that I see and I, I just really thought that was like a cool little theme um, you know I, I like the visual of the yes. that and and what what it has the impact it has on um, a person I don't think people understand how writing something down can help you process your thoughts um, you know, so I, I really thought that was a, a neat little tool that you you use in your message there, and uh, you, cool Mark. stuff. Because um, you know, when I think of it, it's just um, even like the organization you're about. I was I was having lunch with this this man today. He's a he's a homeless man. Um, he's he's part of a just a, a personal initiative and um, overall. And involvement in the community with him, and we we were talking about uh, the organization you are valued, and and you know I try to bring him in in any way that I can to be a part of of this this central message because he he feels the same way. Um, just a sweet, kind-hearted man, um, misplaced elderly artist, I guess is the best way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but um, he. He was. I was reflecting on him and shown on this recent slideshow that I pulled together of this, this uh, overall, like all of these photos have been accumulated for the organization. And when we were talking, it was like, William, this this all started in a notebook of, of, <laughs> of just writing down the thoughts and my ideas. And um, it's the same with with all of the the books and, and pretty much anything that's happened in my life. Is it all starts in these these, these time. It, it, and it's not, like you said, the power of writing something down, um, that people really underestimate that. And, and mm. in, in accordance with that time to write or that, that writing, it's taking the time, taking the time to stop and listen and expose ourselves to how we could be inspired, um, not our understanding to, to do something and give back to the world or just give back in general just to the people in our lives around us to ourselves um so i, I believe in in uh, not only just journal but anything that to do with the arts or stillness in general the just the power um healing that comes through that good deal and you know your first book you you're doing something uh wonderful with that because I, i'm i'm reading that that has had a big amp- impact on youth lives, but you have this program out called the Give One Get One campaign uh, that ends on the 25th, and I think that's tied to your book titled "You." Is that correct? Yes, yes. And could you tell me a little it, bit more about that? It's um, you know, it, it's one of the it just this 
recent project that I'm so excited about. Uh, it's been motivated by, by youth that I work with. And, and what happened was seven years after that book came out, it, it finally, it, it was it, uh, someone in a school system said, hey, listen, Ricky, we, we want this book for our youth. I love it. it they, they need to read this, but if um, we can't do it because of separation of church and state, because it has a mention of God in it a few times. So, I, okay. you know, it was just like, I understand that. I get that. Let's let's edit it. I talked to the publisher. We did a second edition, took that out because it's, it's a word. You know, it still has the mm-hmm, same message. Mm-hmm. It just changed the word um, to strengthen the impact and, and, you know, expand. So then she... She bought a good amount of copies for this program, and they okay. started to make it. They made an assignment to where the, the young people were writing something about the book, how it impacted them. And okay. I started to get these messages, these these emails, and they were sharing the responses from young people with me, and I was just inspired by what they were saying, how they were impacted, how it was changing their life. And I thought, okay, I need to figure out how I can do this for all of the other thousands of young people I work with that don't have the budget or the means to get that book into the program. So okay. it's a way for me to give those books to as many as, as young people as I can, as many as much money as I can raise to have the means, have the budget to be able to give those books out to um, young people that I work with. Cool stuff. And ju- just out of curiosity, um, what what kinds of things were kids getting from your book? What kind of lessons were they learning? Um, well, let's see. Let me just send some books to my computer. It'd be great to, to mm-hmm. um, I'm read you. I'm just going to open one up and okay. see that what... Sounds good. This, uh, this is the first one I opened up. This book has really influenced me. It made me realize how I want my life. This book talked to me in a way. It changed my perspective on everything that has to do with my future. I don't want to end up dead or poor. I want to be, I want to make something out of my life. I want better for my future. I want the girl of my dreams to <laughs> talk back to me when, when is, when I have a good future. Just like the guy who wrote this book, his life was um, bad in the beginning, and not better, not, and got better towards where he is now. My life is worse than I thought. It was, it was. I mean, I didn't. So you get the point. This is him just trying to oh, communicate. Um, that's good. But it, it's just, that's good. I have pages and pages of these where I'm like, these young people. It's the publisher calls it a street smart language. It's short, sweet, to the point. And they're, they're like over and over in here. I'll hear where they talk about how they didn't want to read the book, and then once they started reading, they read it all the way through. They didn't want to stop because uh, it's just a accessible fruit of positive affirmations for them to read yeah. at a young age. It's um, really the intention when I was writing through that and journaling that process of. The idea that was going through my head is what what would I have wanted people to tell me when I was younger? How could this have impacted my life if someone would have told me these things that I know now then? Wow. Good deal. 
All right, Ricky, we're going to take the final break of the day. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the You Are Valued organization and also how people can get involved with the Give Give One, Get One campaign. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, I am with Ricky Roberts today talking about his impressive life and the impressing, impressing, ugh, impressive things he does for today's youth. If I can get my mouth to work correctly. Now, before the uh, break, we were talking about your Give One, Get One campaign where you um, give a copy of your book or, or you're trying to be able to give a copy of your book to um, kids. Now, tell us, how, this, how does the audience go about making donations to this project? Um, they... And go to the the easiest link to lead them to is my website, um, Ricky Roberts the third, Ricky Roberts with a Y I I I dot com forward slash give one get one. It's the the first blog on my my blog right now, and um, there's a link there to the campaign. And and over over and beyond, you know, them giving a book. Basically, people are giving a book, a personally signed and delivered book through me to to a youth, and then they get a book in return. Um, depending on what perk they, they pick on the Indiegogo campaign. Gotcha. Now, I'm assuming since we've gone through the second edition and made it uh, more acceptable for uh, school systems to carry, there is the possibility for any school administrator, uh, administrator across the nation to contact you to get this as part of their material, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Any, any um, uh school uh, sanctioned um, program and, and they've been in detention centers, schools, classrooms, whatever that, that's completely church and state friendly and um, you know and, and yes they can they can contact me through my website and I'm certainly happy to, to have a conversation about how we can uh, work together and inspire our youth. Good deal. Now, you've also got uh, another thing going on that we've mentioned uh, a little bit, but I want to talk more about, um, and I think it's awesome and amazing, is this You Are Valued organization. And um, the mission statement says it's to create a movement of valuing one another through community outreach, involvement, discussion, and inspiration. Um, how, how is it that all of this came to be? You know, it came with a, a conversation um, I was having with a mentor, and, and she she asked me if if I could sum up everything I do with what because at this point I'm, I was doing several talks and mm-hmm. you know um, speaking engagements, my books, and writing, all of these things, blogs. How would I sum like what is my central message that I feel I want to give to everyone? Um, and I just told her I want people to feel valued regardless mm-hmm. of what it is that I'm doing, that's the ultimate intention for me, um, to inspire others and for them to feel valued and, and worthy. Um, and, and that was where it came. You know, she, she then asked if I could sum that up in three words, what would it mm. be? And it was just, you are valued. And um, that was just then all of a sudden, you know, that turned into what, what does this look like in action? How, how can this be um, turned into... Uh, anything other than just that conversation, <laughs> and, and it just evolved from there. Uh, with with this, as I at the same time, I continued to look at you know, I was going to a lot of conferences and trainings and things, and and I felt like okay, all of these social issues I was I was 
involved with and and um, going to workshops, seminars about what's at the very root of all of that, what's at the core and of these negative behaviors, of this violence, of these different issues. And, it, and for me, I, I came to the, the answer that it, it, at the root of so many of the social issues we face is the lack of value people feel on themselves. Mm-hmm. So that, that um, turned it into that mission to create a movement of, of valuing one another and, and uh, people who, whatever workshops I do, whatever um, involvement I have in different parts of the community, at, at every point there will be an opportunity for people to, as I'm expressing the, the value in them and we're doing different workshops and talks and stuff, they, they have an opportunity to be a part of the movement by taking these um, with strictly volunteer basis as sort of like an invitation by getting these little cards that say you are valued, and on the uh, on the back they say never stop believing in the greatness of who you are, and mm. that sort of started off as a side project. Which is, this was like a side idea when I was telling my board and things about I'm going to have these little cards and I hand them out. <laughs> They're like, okay, great. How's that going to work? Like, good idea, Ricky, but I don't know what that. <laughs> I don't get it. But, and I was like, no, I'm telling you, there's these little cards. People are going to take them. So now, if there's over nine thousand of nine thousand of those in circulation, we just counted wow. recently. I, I, I didn't even notice. My I have a board member that sort of challenged me to put everything in perspective, and she's like, "Can you count what you like? What has happened? Can you start to calculate this? You know, in, in this case for support, we had to put this one sheeter together, and that's what it turned out. And there's there's Young people that, you know, I do talks and talk about being not the importance of valuing others and compassion. And, and when I, the other day I was at an assembly, 145th and 6th graders. And mm-hmm. again, I asked them to stand up if they would like to be a part of helping me spread this movement to valuing mm-hmm. others and seeing the importance of that. And it was the, one of the most powerful experiences I had to date where just this sound of 140 plus um, 10, 11, 12 year olds just standing up, <laughs> like just army of people willing. And in 99.9 percent of the time, whether it's adults or young people, they all are just completely they they are just completely involved and um, wanting to be a part of it. And uh, you know that same movement and that idea of, of just letting someone so simply just know that they're valued and does the simplest form and the impact that has on them. I've heard and seen so many things that the, it's a universal language. I, I got a picture this morning from someone um, in Indonesia holding the Your Value card. Mm. And, and, and they have it there. Two weeks ago, someone in Paris holding a Your Value card um, because it's a way that anyone can be a part of just valuing somebody. When you feel authentically called to give this card, it's when that person needs to hear it the most. And I've heard of people getting on a day they're committing suicide and it changed their life, you know, mm. to someone who was basically William, the man I was with today, that's how we met, is I gave him a card and he broke down crying mm. because he was on the bench feeling like no one saw him, no one cared about him, no one got him. And from there, from stopping and, and 
giving him this card. He's now creating again. He's creating art. He has this, these projects that he's working on now that hopefully we're going to be able to get in a position to sell for him to get positioned in a place to live and all. And, and this is all just from the simple gesture of letting some another value. That is amazing. I really, really like that concept there. I mean, that is a beautiful thing there. And, you know, that's always the plight of the visionaries. Like, yeah, I see it. And then you have this this rational corporate type people like, no, Ricky, that's not going to work. No, that. But, no, I see it. So, I mean, kudos to you for making that happen. That's a beautiful thing there. <laughs> that's good. Yes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. And, and I've, I've specifically kept the... The mission, the mission and vision, um, open and, and, and holistic and broad for, for your values because, um, although the primary target audience right now is our youth and that's what we're doing a lot of, um, the, the message of valuing somebody is, is universal and it, and it can be packaged, delivered in any way because essentially it's all the same. If I'm going to spend a day working with some homeless people or I'm going to spend the day, um, you know, taking the time, like one day randomly taking pizza to the guys who keep the parks clean Mm -hmm. um, in our community. You know, all of that is just this this intention to value people, stop enough to value them. I had a a nurse, we did a project of valuing some nurses that helped a friend's parent as she was passing in, in the ICU. And he wanted to do, he contacted me and said, I want to do something to let them know that they're important, to value them for how they treated me when I was in there. This nurse was, I think she said 25 to 27 years into her career and Mm -hmm. said that it was the first time anyone came to do anything for them. Amazing. To thank them, to value them for what they do. And 27 years of service. Amazing. So that multiplied by millions of people that never get that acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. You know, firefighters, doctors, nurses, teachers, people, anyone, just in general. Um, mm-hmm. I gave one to a crossing guard one day, and she emailed me the same day and said she wants all of her crossing guards to have one. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, um, it's, uh, that's the movement. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, that's that's really some good stuff. Well, you know what, Ricky? Um, we're at the end of the hour here. I, I hate that it came so quickly here, but we are we are here at the end. And um, I just want to thank you for, sh- I mean, wow, sharing all of the wonderful stuff that you're doing and that you will continue to be doing. And I uh, thank you for showing me that I have value by spending your time with me, because like I tell everybody, oh. time you cannot get back. So I want to thank you for hanging out with me today. And you know, Lana, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have chosen to spend the last hour any other way. I'm, I'm grateful thank you, for what you're doing. Grateful to be here with you this hour. Thank you. Okay, everybody, make sure you visit uh, any one of Ricky's websites. You are valued dot org or Ricky Roberts the third. That is Ricky with a Y Roberts I I I dot com. Don't forget to donate to his Give One Get One campaign on December twenty fifth. And that is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. I'll see you next week.